that it was teaching, um, but I knew it was a place to, God's word was a place to find wisdom. I think sometimes there's that search for wisdom. God answers that in, in his own way. Proverbs is a difficult book to, to study through or to teach through because we're in a section where it, it, it's a list of collection of Proverbs, but not necessarily topical. You understand what I'm saying? So um, it's, and sometimes that's what people think wisdom is, is just throwing a bunch of information at you or facts. Um, but it's stuff that, that is from God's word, it's from God. He wants us to take in and to use and apply in our lives. It's just not arranged always in a, in a way that my mind would logically think or, or like to, to take it in. So when I talk to this on a Sunday um, morning series, I uh, aligned the topics as I saw them and went throughout all of, all of Proverbs and went more of a topical way because I didn't know a better way of doing it. This time I'm just going through chapter and so we're just going to read and have you glean the different things that God might might give. The thing about Proverbs, I think it's something we have to treasure in our hearts. In other words, we, we like store it and the Holy Spirit will bring it up at the time in life that we need it or when the situation arises, he'll remind us of that truth. Sometimes we might not even know where it came from. And you might not be saying, well, I got that from Proverbs chapter 20, uh, this verse. Or, um, but it may be very well that, that you got that. In fact, that's what I was saying that I was thinking about. Um, when Proverbs 20 says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. That certainly is wisdom that needs to carry throughout our days. So we may not know what particular time that we need to, to hear that kind of wisdom or give that wisdom to someone else. All right, so let's look at Proverbs 25 and let's uh, quickly read through this chapter. So if you'd like to take a verse or two and read, I'll start and you can just pick up where the next person leads off or the previous person leads off. These also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search things out. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. If the enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Topics are covered here, uh, wisdom um, from God. Let me start off with verse 2. It is, it is God who conceals a thing, and it's for man to, to discover. In other words, God has some things that we, that we won't understand, we won't ever fully understand. In fact, God's word is like that. There's some things that come from God that we wrestle with and we just will not understand. I think we have to accept that truth. Some things that I won't understand. I kind of said it Sunday when I was talking about the mental health issue. They act like we have experts who fully understand this or that. They just won't admit um, how naive and ignorant we are on certain things. We need to go to God 
he's the one that has the wisdom um, and, and the information, and, and we, we need to seek it, but we will not ever reach a level where we understand um, all things. Verse 4 through 5, um, sprinkled in this whole chapter is this idea of the appropriate thing or the suitable thing versus the um, things that are incompatible or don't go well together. That's kind of a, a running theme here. Um, verse 4 and 5, take away the dross from the silver and the smith, and the smith has material for a vessel. Take away the wicked from the presence of the king and his throne will be established in righteousness. Um, the wicked pollute and need, need to be purified. Like dross is to silver, so the wicked is to, to really to our society. And uh, if you have a role of authority, whether it's at home, in your home, whether it's on the job, uh, as a supervisor, a boss, or whether it's in political realm or government, recognize that it, we must punish evil and wickedness. Wrong and wickedness, when, every, when it's rewarded or when they go unpunished, will be the death of a society or a culture. And um, that's the one thing that our, our American culture doesn't understand at all. We don't want to call wrong, wrong. Um, so many evils and we not only are being coaxed to look the other way, we've been, look, we've been coaxed to endorse and embrace. Um, and when that happens, um, our society is taking a turn for the worse. Verse 6 through 7 talks about humbling ourselves. Um, do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. It is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. Isn't that, isn't that just amazing? Wait for others to promote you. Don't promote yourself, right? Wait for others to, to give you that invitation to come up instead of them having a, Jesus used that in one of his parables uh, that, that the, um, the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and Pharisees, they like to sit in the uppermost seats. And, and he said, don't do that because you're going to be put to shame when, when somebody higher comes in and you've been asked to step back and to give your seat to somebody else. And uh, so that's the same uh, thing going on here. Um, don't be quick to condemn others. Don't be quick to go to court. Don't be quick to sue. That's one of the words in our culture today. I'm going to sue you. You know, if I slip on your sidewalk, you know, I'm, I'm going to sue you. You know, um, if something happens to my car, you, you hit me. I, I had a, a situation that came. I had a, um, a wonderful a letter in the mail um, just this week. I had a car incident where I hit a pedestrian in my truck. I don't know if I've ever related that to everybody. I was headed to Milwaukee Rescue Mission um, um, for our chapel service. It was raining, and a young lady got out of a crowded car, jetted across the street right in the path of my car truck, and I hit her. Knocked her to the curb. Um, praise God, she was not critically injured. I think she had just some scrape 
on the head. She went to, to the doctor. I got a letter today, from, not today, but this week from my insurance company saying, we have completed our investigation. You are not at fault. It was the pedestrian's fault. I thought that was so unusual. I mean, I think they're, they're right, and I agree with that 100%, but it was so unusual. I think it's God's blessing to say, um, I give you this, this protection. But my point here in Proverbs is, don't be so quick to sue. Don't be so quick to take advantage legally of someone else. I think that's one of those situations where um, that person sought to do that, and, and it didn't work. Um, praise God for, for, for that in that situation. Work things out privately. It says in verse 9 and 10, argue your case with your neighbor himself. Do not reveal another's secret. Um, don't make it a public issue if you don't have to. Um, deal with it quietly. It kind of reminds me of Matthew chapter 1, where Matthew, excuse me, where um, uh, Joseph was considering what he should do now that his, uh, his, his wife-to-be was now expecting. He didn't know what to do. But the Bible says while he considered these things, he, he was mindfully to have a quiet divorce or separation, but God spoke to him in that moment. He was looking for wisdom, and God gave it to him in an amazing way. Um, verse 11 through 14, appropriate words. It says, a word fitly spoken. Think about yourself. I know for myself, I have been ministered to greatly by a word fitly spoken. It could be a word of admonition, to challenge, to warn. It could be a, a word of encouragement and comfort, but it's a word fitly spoken. If you ever played sports, you had a coach who pulled you aside and said, don't do that, do this. You're like, wow, never thought of that, thanks. And it improves your performance. So you had somebody, maybe a teammate, that corrected you on something. You didn't like it at the time, but it was for your good. A word fitly spoken, appropriate for the setting and given at the right time. Um, how? how much of a blessing that is. Look at verse 12. Um, this is again, and I think in that same thing, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. It's two things there that, that need to happen. A wise reprover is somebody who's gonna use their words skillfully and with much wisdom. And then a listening ear is that person on the receiving end who actually is going to hear as if God has something to say to them. Those are the two combinations that need to happen for us to, to be wise. Somebody who's going to give wisdom appropriately and someone who's going to receive it and not spit it out, not reject it, but take it in. Praise God when those two things um, meet up. <clears throat> Um, I want to look at, at, at just one, one more thing at least, and I call this too much of a good thing, too much of a good thing. In verse 16 and 17, he says something about honey. 
If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. But the next verse goes with it. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his foot fill of you and hate you. I think those two thoughts are connected. Don't have too much of a good thing. If you don't put things in a proper balance, you can get into trouble. In this case, he's saying, if you stand over at your friend's house way too long, he's trying to give you hints that it's time to go, you know. <laughs> I saw this commercial about a guy who was over his friend's house because he had a certain cable service and he wanted to see the football game. He's like, yeah, we can be here all day. And the, 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 the guy who owned the house is like, no, you're going to have to go after the game. <laughs> um, it's fun now, but you're going to have to go. Um, so too much of a good thing. It's like eating honey. It tastes good. We want more and more and more and more, but that needs to be balanced. Now he says something else about that in verse 27. Um, same thought. It's not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. Again, too much of a good thing. Be careful when you um, praise yourself too much or taking in too much praise. When you're reading all the good stuff that everybody's writing about you and taking it in and patting yourself on the back. Um, be careful about that. Um, Self-assessment is one of the hardest things that, that, that we have to do, and few can really do it in the, in the, in the right setting. Either we don't listen to, um, to the admonition that we need to listen to, or we are too hard on ourselves and, 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 and don't, we lose hope and don't have encouragement. Um, but he uses that in an analogy of taking in honey. Um, don't take too much of it. Too much of it is not good for you. You need to have a balance of that. So I just wanted to, to, to leave those thoughts with you. Um, meditate on those. Let them marinate kind of in, in your heart and in your brain. And let God, let the Holy Spirit bring um, his wisdom to you at that time that, that you need it and take it in. That God working in your life at the appropriate times. Evening, saints. For our meditation today, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 12. <clears throat> so, in our study of Ezekiel, we've kind of gone through a couple arcs. The first thing, Ezekiel starts with his image in this vision of seeing the glory of God. After that, God calls Ezekiel, and then we get these things where he shows these illustrations, right? He lays on his side for a certain number of days. He gives these illustrations of what it means to suffer God's judgment. And then after that, he condemns idolatry, and then we have this next big vision, which we just finished, which was 8, 9, 10, and 11 where Ezekiel is sitting with these men <clears throat> and his spirit is transported where he sees all these different things going on and the general thought is this, God is going to judge and he's leaving the temple. So now we go to this next section and it might seem a little disjointed, but it's not. This next section, which is chapter 12, 13, and 14, is all about resistance to the word of God. 
resistance to the word. And I know we saw a little bit of it in the vision that Ezekiel saw, but we're going to see it more overtly, okay? So let's read Ezekiel chapter 12. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, who have eyes to see, but see not, who have ears to hear, but hear not, for they are a rebellious house. As for you, son of man, prepare for yourself an exile's baggage, and go in exile by day in their sight. You will go like an exile from your place to another place in their sight. Perhaps they will understand, though they are a rebellious house. You shall bring out your baggage by day in their sight as baggage for exile, and you shall go out yourself at evening in their sight as those who do who must go into exile. In their sight, dig through the wall and dig your baggage out through it. In their sight, you shall lift the baggage upon your shoulder and carry it out at dusk. You shall cover your face so that you may not see the land where I made you a sign for the house of Israel. And I did as I was commanded. I brought out my baggage by day as baggage for exile. And in the evening, I dug through the wall with my own hands. I brought out my baggage at dusk, carrying it on my shoulder in their sight. In the morning, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, has not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said to you, What are you doing? Say to them, Thus is the Lord God. The oracle concerns the prince of Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are in it. Say, I am a sign for you. As I have done, so it shall be done to them. They shall go into exile, into captivity. And the prince who is among them shall lift his baggage upon his shoulder at dusk and shall go out. They shall dig through the wall to bring him out through it. He shall cover his face that he may not see the land with his eyes. And I will cover my net over him and he shall be taken in my snare. And I will bring him to Babylon, the land of the Chaldeans, yet he shall not see it. And he shall die there. And I will scatter toward every wind all who are around him, his helpers and all his troops. And I will unsheath the sword after him. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I disperse them amongst the nations and scatter them among the countries. But I will let a few of them escape from the sword, from famine and pestilence, that they may declare all their abominations among the nations where they go, and may know that I am the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, eat your bread with quaking, and drink your water with trembling and with anxiety. And say to the people of the land, Thus says the Lord God concerning the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the land of Israel. You shall eat their bread. They shall eat their bread with anxiety and drink water in dismay. And this way her land will be stripped of all it contains on account of the violence of all those who dwell in it. And the inhabited cities shall be laid waste, and the land shall become a desolation, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, what is this proverb that they have about the land of Israel saying, The days grow long and every vision comes to nothing? Tell them, therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will put an end to this proverb, and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel, but say to them, The days are near in the fulfillment of every vision. For there shall be no more any false vision or flattering divination within the house of Israel. For I am the Lord. I will speak the word that I will speak, and it will be performed, and it will no longer be delayed. But in your days, O rebellious house, I will speak the word and perform it, declares the Lord God. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, behold, they of the house of Israel say, The vision that he sees is for many days from now, and he prophesies of times long off. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord God, None of my words will be delayed any longer, but the word that I seek will be performed, declares the Lord God. All right. Powerful words. 
And maybe we can separate it into its sections. But let's just get some general thoughts from you first as we read through chapter 12. What are some things that God revealed to you through it? And then I'll get some summary thoughts at the end. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't say he said he's done speaking, but he's saying, don't say that my word is not going to come true. Right? Don't say it's not going to come true. And the only reason I say that is because we got like 40 more chapters of this book to go. Who else? Who else? What is God speaking to? Go ahead. Okay, he did as he has commanded. That's true. Yeah, Ezekiel is an artist, right? One of the things that strike me, and I like what Jamar said about that, as an artist myself, I love Ezekiel. Because not only, I, 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 I debate in myself, is Ezekiel an actor on a stage, or is he the painter of a portrait? And maybe he's both. But in some ways, he makes these visions, and you see him, and let me just show you something here, okay? And let me just look at what he says here. At the very first illustration, he goes out of his house, right? And he kind of sneaks out of his house. And then he breaks back, in, back into his own house, right? When they say dig through the wall, what that means is he was looking around. And back in those days, the houses were all made out of kind of like a plaster. And so he had to dig through his own wall, right? Now, he know, they know he got a front door. But he's digging in the side wall and sneaking his goods out. And then they say he covered his face so he couldn't see. And it's interesting because God says to him, this is what's going to happen to the prince. And he further says this, I will bring into Babylon the land of Chaldeans, yet he shall not see it, and he shall die there. Now, do you know how crazy that prophecy is? Let me tell you something. The king snuck through the wall of the city of Jerusalem to try to escape the king of Babylon. But he got caught. Guess what happened to him when he got caught? They put out his eyes. So even though he was taken to Babylon, he didn't see it. Isn't that crazy? Is God's word true? It's certainly true. So when you hear the fulfillment of it, you'd be shocked. You'd be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe Right When you heard what Ezekiel said, if you were living in that day, you wouldn't understand what he meant. But when you live long enough, and it wasn't many years after, because Ezekiel prophesied this not long before the city fell. And if you saw that, you'll be sitting there and saying, oh my goodness, God is real. If you want to believe. Here's the thing that's crazy. It doesn't matter what signs happen. People are going to believe or they're not going to believe, depending on whether they was not going to believe or believe before. You know that Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead in four days. And the Pharisees knew he did it. And what they say? We got to put Lazarus to death now, too. I guarantee you that if I went to Mecca and I rose somebody from the dead, 
And then I said, Jesus is the only one and true God. They'd be like, we got to get rid of this guy because he's going to upset the faith of Muhammad. And if I did it in India, they would say, man, we got to get rid of this guy. He's going to upset the faith of Buddhism. And if I did it in Rome, we got to get rid of this guy. He's going to upset the faith of the Catholics. Oh, the Catholics going to be mad if I say that. But it's true. There's a lot of people that found their own religion. It's a shame nowadays when I meet, I'm on this Facebook group for pastors. I'm glad y'all not on there. Because you guys hold pastors to a high standard. And uh, let me tell you, many of them do not rise to the standard that they should be. And when I see it, what I realize is this. Lots of pastors are treating church as a business. They treat it like a corporation where if they can betray somebody and get a higher position, they'll do it. Many pastors are treating church as if it's politics. They got their personal ideology and personal brand, and anything that goes against that is evil, even if it came from God. Many of them, to me, are not that much different than the Pharisees, who when Jesus came and he turned around stuff in the temple, they will be upset. Jesus, I set these chairs the way I wanted them. Who's God? Many of these pastors make rules and things, and what they eventually say is, it's really my studies that matter. So how dare somebody come in and interrupt my study time with their life? And how dare I leave any inch for the Holy Spirit to speak while I'm in the middle of preaching? I got my manuscript. And how dare something come upsetting? I remember a pastor came to me. He said, I don't need this. And I said, if you're going through it, God said you need it. He was so mad at me. He was a man you might know, so I'm not going to say his name. But the point is, is this. It's easy to preach this stuff. It's a lot harder to live it. God's word is true. You should respect it as such. Here's the next point. Ezekiel gives examples because he wants people to realize that their false boldness is false. Most people are brave like glass. Right? What do I mean by brave like glass? They hard until you get through it. I remember there was a person that I knew, and they used to act tough. But if you just sat there and resisted them for long enough, that person would start crying if they got in an argument with you. And most people were intimidated by them, so they never got to that point. That's how most people's boldness is. Oh, yeah, I don't need to believe in God. I got it by myself. Wait. Wait. When they see the judgments coming, they're going to go out of their house with quaking, just like Ezekiel said. Everybody can be bold when there's no disaster. It kind of reminded me when I was in school, and somebody was like, hold me back, and then they talk all crazy. Stop. Right? I'm walking away now. You want to fight? Stop. The last thing is this, that God really cares what people think about his word. Even if we want to pretend that we don't care, God does care. And not necessarily to the benefit of those who say whatever they want to say. There were two things that they said falsely about God's word. One is, they said, 
hey, every vision is going to, it is what it is. These preachers be saying whatever they want to say. It ain't going to come true. And God's like, no, it will come true. Then people try to spiritualize it. Oh, this is for a long time. This is for the last days. This ain't for the last days. This is for next week. The problem with the word of God is this. People don't realize that God utters a sentence on a man, but is not necessarily carried out the moment that he utters it. But it's just as binding. It kind of reminds me of a person who is knowing they're going to get sentenced, so they're trying to live it up now. But when they go back to court, they know they're going to jail for a long time. People know they're going to be sentenced. Be careful that you don't lengthen God's judgment or intensify it because you played around too long with the little freedom that God gave you. Made you think you got away with it. You didn't get away with it. It's just that God's sentence is not ex executed. What the, what the Ecclesiastes say? Because the sentence against evil men is not executed speedily, people continue to do evil. Right? If everybody got struck by lightning the first time they stole, they wouldn't steal a second time. But do you know that God still declared you guilty just because you got away with it? And it's hard for people to grasp. Amen.